Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I am your host as ever, Louis McCaffrey, and this week I am joined joined by a, a handsome panel. It's not the best, it's not the worst. It's uh, it's Christopher Samani, first off. How are you, Christopher? Louis, tremendous. Um, looking outside, rain coming down sideways, cracking August Scottish weather. But I've been cheered up. I'm on the podcast of the Proletariat with my good friend Louis McCaffrey. Thanks very much. That was a lot nicer than I thought it was going to be because you've been giving me a wee bit of needle in the old WhatsApp group this evening, but uh, we'll, might, we'll get to that. You might come to that later on. We'll get to that. Um, next up, he, he was a, a midweek bouncer. He liked to do the, the bouncy midweek. And to be honest, no one bowed. He likes to do the bouncy the weekend as well. Christopher Bowd. Hello, hello, hello. How are we doing, lads? Great nice. to be here. Um, delighted to be described as not the worst it's the biggest compliment I've had in months, Louis, so thank you very much. Listen, I'm, I'm sure you've been told that many a time. Um, and last but not least, the man with the most impressive hair on the, the show tonight, to be fair, it's, uh, it's Keith McGinty. How are you, Keith? I'm absolutely fine and dandy. I'm rocking the, the ginger afro right now. It's something I've, I've long wanted to, to try out, and I've just realised how wrong I actually am, so it's getting cut in a couple of days. Great, Scott. I think you can turn that around to a, a bit of quality product, to be honest with you. Just a bit of tending, love and care. And you can turn that ship around, Keith. I, I wouldn't be so hasty. I've got some of that fancy hair stuff um, <clears throat> that Manny suggested, so I, 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 that, that does the trick. It's got a wee bit of Hasselhoff, late 80s feel to it now, so I, I'm digging it. It's a buffon. You've got it. Listen, we we are we are obviously back. The Cynic Weekly's been back for a few weeks now, um, and our kind of usual usual weekly show. Um, it's just good to now be in between <coughs> league games. We obviously had the the season kicked off at the weekend. There, um, we're going to come on to our win at Hamilton shortly, um, and we have a game coming up against Kilmarnock this weekend uh, away, our first away away fixture of the season. So we'll, we'll be we'll be getting to that and giving that a wee preview later on the show. Um, just a quick wee shout out to the to the Patreon. The Patreon is where you'll find um, numerous different types of shows from from the Cynic. Um, there are weekly ones, there are monthly ones covering every aspect of Celtic and uh, sometimes football in general. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the Patreon and you like what we do, then please by all means go on and uh, check it out. So without further ado. Um, we're going to start with a wee bit of uh, a wee bit of positive news. I'm not sure if we spoke about it last week. It certainly, I don't think it was confirmed last week um, when we recorded, but it maybe was. I don't know. You can correct me. But we have uh, we've made a signing. We have signed a goalkeeper. The the whole worry about a first choice goalkeeper is all over. Um, and we've signed Vasily uh, Barkas from uh, from Athens. Uh, 26 year old we spoke about him last week um, and we spoke about him numerous times because we've been linked to him for quite a while but it's finally done he didn't play at the weekend he was on the bench at the weekend for the Hamilton game um, but it puts to bed the whole debate around getting a goalkeeper in and Fraser Foster Neil Lennon's even said he's the number one how do we feel about it? Personally I'm I'm delighted I think on paper um, and from from what the stats department have told us. Um, he seems to be a good all-round goalkeeper with 
but it sounds like he's got you know he's got things to add to his game. He's got things that he can work on, and you would hope Stevie Woods would be able to progress him and, and get the best out of him. But immediately, despite him not having played, you'd be quite confident with him ahead of Bain, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I think quite a few is quite a few of us on this podcast have have kind of voiced their concerns about Bain. And notwithstanding the first choice to, would, to come back would have been Forster after the season he had last season, this guy ticks a lot of boxes in terms of age, stature, the club he played for. As I say, we need to rely on the stats department at the Cynic to provide some of the background, but they're all making very positive noises. It puts it puts the Forster stuff to bed. If we hadn't done this, we would probably still be talking about Forster this week. Um, and that would have just rumbled on and rumbled on. Um, there was also some concern that we might have gone down the cheap route for a goalkeeper, um, but we certainly haven't. We seem to have shelled out a decent fee for this guy, who is an international player, and um, you know we, we, he, he seems to he seems to be of the stature of uh, the, the sort of player that we we felt we should be going for. So personally, I'm delighted. Obviously, the caveat being I need to see him play first of all, but. Um, Get big, big hopes for him. So I, I'm personally delighted. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree with Sir Delighted um, for a number of reasons. I think Barkas uh, looks great. I'm not seeing a huge amount of him, but as you say, not just the stats boys, Louis, but the scout report is a podcast we've got where people have actually watched them um, and watched a lot of them. Uh, and again, they're coming up with the same conclusions that he is. He's not perfect by any matter of means, but he's a very solid keeper um, that will offer a lot. And at his age, he's only going to improve. Uh, one, as one, 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 sorry, but, but one yeah. positive that they highlighted was the fact that um, he seems to be a keeper that is quite dominant in the air, like he'll come for crosses and things like that. And that, that was one aspect of it that I was, you know, you know, Fraser Foster, he was a great shot stopper, you know, pulled off miraculous saves. Um, but if there's ever been a, a kind of criticism of him, it's that he's not quite commanding in the box. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't command the air or the area as well as maybe we would want. If this guy is going to do it, which by all accounts, he, that he's got that in his game, I think that will be important in, in Scotland, would it? Oh, absolutely, especially... I mean, when you think of the goals we tend to concede domestically, it does, they lend themselves to set pieces. So somebody that can take control of that box is really important. Um, more important, as you said, not going down the cheap option route or not going down the Joe Hart route. I'm just kind of glad that that's out the way and we've landed in someone that seems like a very decent standard with room to grow. Can I just say that uh, apparently I refuse to rule out a move for Joe Hart? That was reported in the press. I am now ruling out a move for Joe Hart. You can quote me on that. I'm going to be embarrassed when Scott Bain moves on and Joe Hart slips in to replace him. Podcaster, Chris Romani's hot take there. I've been told the Joe Hart move is dead. Wow. The deal is off. Was that confirmed by the the pigeon or? The pigeon. God. Keith, you've 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 just let it. The pigeon at the bag there. Um, people don't know about the pigeon. Um, so, Manny, no, do you want, to, do you want to, to? No, should we keep it to ourselves? I think. I, I think explaining this would be such an anticlimax 
that um, there's no point in doing it. What I will say is that the pigeon isn't my source. Thank you. <laughs> Keith, um, but do you think that, I mean, I've always been a bit sceptical of it in terms of the, the links to certain players, especially like Joe Hart. I think it's kind of lazy, in a way, kind of lazy journalism. Do you think we were actually seriously considering somebody like Joe Hart or does this kind of prove otherwise? I don't know if we sometimes put these stories out there just to deflect away from who we are actually looking to to bring in so that when we do get them in, the adulation that the, the club get is increased. Last season, I was actually quite comfortable going into the season with Craig Gordon and um, Scott Bain. But then when we saw the difference that Forster makes, it just shows you how much um, focus that Neil Lennon puts in uh, getting the goalkeeper in. So I was absolutely delighted that he didn't really hang about for Forster. He had his chance, totally blanked Lennon, which is strange um, after the the year that they had together and how he's helped resurrect his career. Um, when it comes to players like Joe Hart, I, I think that would have been too much of a, a redemption story that, that Stevie Woodsford had to, to pull off for him. He's not shown anything in the past couple of years to suggest that he's going to be capable of doing the highs that we would need, especially in Europe and especially in cup competitions here. It's, it's a back credit that's needed to go to the club and Nick Hammond for the way that we've been scouting goalkeepers. Of course, Foster was number one choice, but um, Barca seems to be very, very highly rated throughout Europe. And I think we've got a bit of a steal here. So I'm absolutely delighted to, to see him come in. I can't wait to see him between the sticks. I think, it, as you say there, you know, there's probably an argument to be made that if Joe Hart, say we'd went for Joe Hart, I mean, Joe Hart would have been such a focus for the media that he, there would have been a lot more pressure on him than I think there will be on Barkas. I think Barkas will be allowed to just get about his business and, and we can see what he's got. I think that the scrutiny that would come with a signing like Joe Hart almost wouldn't be worth it, even if he was to, to come onto a game. So I'm, I'm glad we've done what we've done. And, and I think with Neil Lennon saying he's obviously his number one, hopefully we'll, we'll therefore see him at the weekend, but we'll come to the Kilmarnock game later. Um, more generally, in, in transfer rumours, I mean, just speculation, I suppose, until until they're announced, but um, it very much seems to be that in the past week, we're, you know, again, it's been reiterated that we're after a striker um, and they were also, I think, looking for a left-back again. Um, the Ajeti deal is, I don't think, is finished. Um, it's still maybe got a, a wee bit of potential left in that deal, despite the fact that he wanted some time to to think about it. Um, so that's not dead in the water. Apparently, Neil Lennon was having talks at the weekend, um, and of course, we're still linked with Ivan Tony um, at Peterborough. <sighs> I mean, would anybody? I mean, what would anybody pay for Ivan Tony? Is anybody? I mean, I've watched the YouTube clips of him and I like him I must say I like him I think, he, I think he'd be good but if he, surely you're not going to pay 8 or 9 million for, for the guy You might have to that's that's the only caveat when you sign a player from England now that is, that's all dependent on who else is interested in him now the Brentford link obviously they're playing Fulham tonight and then whatever, they've got a chance of obviously getting promoted and the riches that come with getting to the EPL 
basically it would be a sh- if it's a shootout between us and an English Premier League club transfer fee wise, what you know we're pretty screwed, or we would have to match them and convince them that coming here you've got a right real chance at trophies and you're going to play European football. So I think it's it's dependent on that. Um, obviously at, at Peterborough. Um, your man Fry's gonna he's he's no shy of going to the press, do you know what I mean? Middle name small. Sorry, I'll, I'll just move on from that. He's no shy of going to the press. Wow. So obviously he could be artificially inflating this or, or whatever, you do you know what I mean? But um again it's a risk. See for a club like us, see paying eight, nine million pounds for any player, it's a risk. Do you know Fred, do you, do you, do you know sorry, on you go. The the thing that annoys me so many, right, is the fact that He's in the last year of his contract. Now, it seems seems to me that they're playing, you know, this guy, Fry, now fair enough, he's, he's talking a lot in the media and who knows what weight that actually carries in these negotiations, right? But they're trying to squeeze out every, you know, every penny out of this transfer that they can get because obviously he's the biggest player that they've, they've had. So they seem adamant that they're taking 10 million and, you know, I think once you pay the fee and then bonuses, you're talking, I think they're looking for 10 million here. For a guy in the last year he's gone to, now if, if, I feel as if, I mean, Christian's spoke about the fact that Ayer's coming up to a certain amount of time left in his contracts, we might need to think about selling him if he's not going to, why is it that we have to suddenly, you know, whenever we get within 18 months, we need to sell our player or else, you know, we're going to lose out big time financially because they seem to be holding us over a barrel when he's only got a year. Just before I let Bowd or Keith in on that, part of that's a striker's premium because if you've got a forward that can score goals, I think sometimes that you find people might overpay with somebody in a contract situation um, like that. Going back to Fry, of course he's going to talk up the price he wants. It's like Aberdeen with McKenna. If they sell McKenna, they ain't getting the money they want from him. Probably a bit like Morelos. I mean, the, the figures that they were banding about, when they do sell him, you can almost guarantee it'll be an undisclosed fee that they, they, they get for him. But why would you why would you not bump why would you not bump the price up in terms of what you're asking for in the media? I, I understand why they're doing that. But I think Law's too shrewd to go straight in and say, is that what you want? We'll give you it. He's not going to do that. So we'll see what happens with that deal um, coming up. But the only issue will be if there's competition for the EPL, we might we might be in trouble. About Keith, what's your thoughts on, on, on strikers? Is it, have you got any preference either way? I mean, Ajeti, Tony are, seem to really be the only ones linked seriously. I mean, don't get me wrong with... We've been linked to Fletcher, for example, but I mean, we've got no information that there's actually a bid been put in. But if you get a preference either way, and how do you, I mean, how do you guys feel about the actual necessity of buying another striker, a top top striker? Do we need it? I think we, I think we do. We we've obviously got Clamala there, um, who looks like he's coming on or something. It's obviously very early days, but you know. With the the greatest uh, the greatest optimism, I think we can all agree Eddie's going to be away by next year. So we need somebody in who's going to be ready to step up. Um, <coughs> excuse me, Tony. I think looks decent. I just uh, the prices we're talking nine million, ten million, the likes of that. 
when we paid Ed, eight, the kind of nine million or so for Eddie, we'd already had him on loan for a year. We knew, we knew that was an investment. You know, there was no way we weren't going to make that back on Eddie. He was that good. Tony, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that amount of money for Celtic to take that level of punt is maybe a little bit too much. Um, and as Sarmani was saying, I think Fries will be Turkish delighted if we was to make that kind of money from him. But uh, <laughs> sorry, I apologise. I, I think for that, for is that this reason, a podcast of bad jokes tonight. Eh? <laughs> it's, it's always been. Uh, so I, um, I think I decent. Listen, Fry would be cream himself if we if we got anywhere near the nine million for uh, Tony. I think we might be quite happy for the the Tony deal to to drag out a wee bit. If that's if Ayeti's a preferred option for getting another striker in, as for getting like somebody like Fletcher in, if we're losing Bio, Bio's probably our biggest threat in the air out of all our strikers that we've got. And it's good to have a bit of variety in our strike force instead of just having just the same style of player. Um, I'm not entirely sure what, what sort of player is Ayeti. Is he more a dropping deep or is he leading the line? Uh, no, I think I think he's very much kind of leading the line, looking to. Uh, I think f- from what I've seen on the YouTube, anyway, he seems to be one of these players that maybe comes deep initially to to start things off, and then wants to run in behind, getting the end of things. I um, I think he's comfortable across the front as well, so not necessarily yeah. as a winger, but if you've got a front three, you'll play left, right, middle, east, all over but, the shop. Maybe maybe there'll be a bit of movement in in strikers uh, over the course of this week. We'll see. But as Keith says, there it looks like one striker will be leaving, and and that's Bio. Um, he's been linked with uh, Saint Martin, and also linked with now a permanent move to Toulouse. Um, Bio's a funny one. Again, I, I have this I have this problem with players just being written off so quickly. And and with Celtic strikers, it happens quicker than any other position. If if, if you don't come in and score goals, then that's it. You're a flop. Now, don't You'll get me wrong. He's got to lose him. Oh Jesus, Jesus. Um, you know, he's been here a while, right? He was signed under the rat, so it's not as if he's he's only just in the door. But realistically, he's not had he's not had many games to really prove what he can what he can do. Is it just a case that he's not done it in training? You know, he's never he's clearly never caught the, the eye of of the rat or Lennon enough to to merit a starting place each week. But I mean you've got Eddie in front of you, it's it's pretty hard, isn't it? There's 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 no time for sentimentality this season though. I mean I know what you're saying and there's a number of players we've had over the years that you could basically turn around and go, they've never really had a chance. Keith's favourite, Scott Allen, you know. God bless him. He's still bemoaning that. He's, he's moved to us. But, see, to be perfectly honest, nobody's going to shed a tear if he moves on, really, to be honest. And that's that might be unfair. But this season, see if you could ship Bio out and get somebody of the purported quality that Tony or Ayeti gives you. Who cares? And that, that, that might sound harsh. And, and you know... Fair play, if, if Bio goes and, and he proves us wrong, probably guaranteed to score against us in a European qualifier within three years if he goes. But, you know, to be perfectly honest, this season's no time to mess about. See if getting him out the door means we can bring in somebody that we're more convinced as a club 
is the quality we need. We're all for it. I don't disagree. But do you think there should be a wee... I mean, should we not be a wee bit more critical of these signings then? Like, we seem to do this a hell of a lot. We buy players in, we don't give them a tremendous number of games, and then they're deemed not good enough and, and they leave. I mean... The, these transfers like Bio then are in effect a failure. They add up. They, they totally add up. I mean, there's a number of guys who we've taken a punt on. See that punt bracket buying guys at two, three million pound and hoping that they'll develop. That's why a lot of the fans have been saying, see if you pay that bit extra to go into the next tier. The likes of Eddie, you know, certain markets, you know, we paid seven million for Julian and, you know, with not completely without um, his faults, but a very, very um, good centre-half goal threat going forwards. Whereas previously we've paid two, three million pounds and you've not got that proven quality. So there was a bit, people were getting a bit sick and tired of these punts. These punts are okay on the side, I think. But when it comes to key positions, you want to pay that bit extra. You're never guaranteed the quality, but you've got a greater chance of these guys coming in and making a difference. So you're absolutely right. There should be criticism of them. There's maybe a place to try it, but see if you're relying on these guys. It, it's, I think it's kind of been proven with our record that it's no a recipe for... I mean, Schwed's another one. It's no a recipe for success, you know? But there's an element of... It, there's always going to be failures. doesn't matter. You know, if you... You know, Barcelona will spend £100 million on a player and he'll fail. Um, but you're, there's definitely an argument for that. Spend a little bit more on quality as opposed to three or four... Uh, Shanners, but look at the likes of Wanyama. These are players that we would have classed as a punt. I, th- I think there's always going to be room for that. Um, you've also got to, sorry, um, you've also got to think that was the, the previous uh, management team. That was their recruitment strategy was to go for players like Bio. So far, um, the new one that's come in under Hammond seems to be a lot more diligent in their approach. Um, the players that we're getting in seem better um, better fits to the, the type of uh, football that we play and that they fit in with the squad a lot better. So maybe that was just in the, the past and the, the strategy we had under Park and Congerton. Um, it was much more of a scattered gun, whereas now we seem to be using either the numbers more, we're, we're looking at it a lot better that way, or we're, we're doing a lot more homework before we're actually making these, these it's signings. We've got a we've got a question from uh, Johnny Hayes HTID. It's not the actual Johnny Hayes, but um, a question on Twitter: Should Greg Taylor's performance on Sunday mean we no longer need a, a new first choice left back? Now this kind of is a, a bridge over two two points. One, we're obviously being linked with left back, so we have, there was a report that we'd put in a three three uh, million euro bid for David Kalina. Um, it, it, he's a young 20-year-old boy who did go to Monaco at one one point, but his back at split. It, it's, I think it's been kind of dismissed a wee bit um, in the Daily Mail with uh, McGowan's article, um, who's usually kind of pretty clued up in what's actually happening behind the scenes. But clearly it, mm-hmm. it sounds like we're in for a left-back. Did... Did the performance at the weekend from Greg Taylor, did that go any way to convincing you that he is he's the man for the job, even domestically? I think he looked he looked incredible at the weekend and even pre-season, the friendlies, he's looked very decent. But 
you know, a couple of swallows don't make a summer, I believe is the, the phrase. Uh, but I would make my summer. <laughs> oh, there we are. Uh, no, I think I think he's still got more to prove, and um, I think the the talk as well is potentially that Ball and Golly isn't going to be with us for much longer. So I think we're at that that point. If that's true, we're going to need another left back in. So do you want to try to improve on what you have in Greg Taylor, or are you happy to try to bring in someone who's of his level or not so Manny what do you think do you think he was incredible at the weekend as, as Bowd describes I I think the two balls he put across were first rate and as an attacking um, asset on Sunday I thought he was really good um, that's something that a fullback playing for Celtic has to do um, we, we need our fullbacks to get forward defensively, and Lennon said this as well after the game, he said in the post-match interview he had to remind him of his defensive duties. Now, I don't think he was particularly bad, but I think we all remember he was he was done pretty badly. Um, oh, for, he wasn't after. Yeah, for, for the, the, the ball that came into the box. Um, can't remember who got the ball in, to be, to, to be honest, but he was a wee bit exposed with that, and I mean, we'll come probably come to talk about the Hamilton game. I thought their delivery from corners and things was exceptional actually giving credit to Hamilton um, but he, he was done a wee bit there and I called him vanilla uh, in terms of he's fine um, kind of as a as a second choice fullback or whatever and, I, and he will get better and that was maybe a wee bit harsh on him but he's not done enough for me and we need to remember it was Hamilton um, that we were playing it wasn't a team of you know in the upper echelons of the league or in Europe He's not done enough for me to think that we could rely him on rely on him as uh, our first choice left back. I would be happy if we got somebody in of a higher level where he could challenge him and, and push for it because he will develop. He's still young, and there are assets there. I don't want to write the guy off, um, but I would be far more comfortable if we got somebody in of uh, some better quality. Just speaking about the the game in general, then. Of- we're not going to get through every goal. Everybody's seen the goals. Um, Celtic won five one on the day. Um, Eddie, of course, got a hat trick. Uh, Jeremy Frimpong scored, and, and Patrick Kamala got a goal in the last minute to to round things off. Um, did anybody stand out from me from the the players that, that started the game? Um, I th- you know, I think there was a wee bit of debate. You know, would Scott Bain starting goals or would Barkas be thrown straight in? You know, I'm, I was quite happy to see Bain put in, just for the sheer fact. I just don't think it would have been a good idea to rush Barkas in um, when he'd, he'd only been here a matter of days. Um, and then the the other kind of selection dilemma, I suppose, was not really a dilemma because we know his first choice anyway. But it was Christie over in Jam. Um, did anybody stand out for you and impress, or, or anybody impress or? stand out for the wrong reasons anybody that we learned a bit about against Hamilton I think Bain just sorry I think Bain just confirmed everything that we we were thinking about him beforehand he was steady enough but the main thing that stood out was that speculative shot early on that instead of just catching but seemed to become straight to his head he punched over um, and then for their goal uh, he got maybe fingertips to it whereas 
somebody like Forster that we're used to, or maybe a slightly taller, bigger keeper, would have been able to claw that away. But that's that's maybe been a wee bit harsh on him. It just shows you how much we expect from that position now. Um, as for players that stood out, I'm a massive fan anyway. I think Callum McGregor was imperious again. He's just, he makes everything look so easy. Um, how he's always available for a pass. His weight of pass so early in the season, um, I thought was was wonderful. Was it him that set up Clamalla's goal? Um, was Julian. I thought was Julian, yeah. Julian passed. Julian. There's a one that was just it was one just before it then he did play through. Um, the, the way to pass it just now has, has been excellent. And the way that he working with the and we triangles with other players and how he can bring them on. But playing out in the left, I think he's helping to make Greg Taylor a, a better player. He's finding him in the positions that he needs to be to be effective, um, to set up the goals for, for Edward and Frimpong. So I quietly went about his business, but I thought uh, McGregor was was excellent again. Um, was... Oh, sorry, but no, on you go, on you go. Oh, okay, um, I I thought Frimpong and, and Julian impressed me certainly uh, at times in the first half and and obviously second half. Just Frimpong, you know, you always have a wee bit of a worry that a young player like that could have a dip. I mean, he was so good last year and. But yeah, he's came back and, and started this campaign as as good as he finished the last. I mean, he just looks very strong. The way he cuts inside, um, you know, he, he just looks very impressive. And and I think we would really miss Frimpong if he wasn't there. And obviously, we had a period of time when he was injured, and and we we did really miss his his creativity and stuff. But um, he, he stood out for me earlier on, and and, and Julian as well. Um, see the diagonal balls he was pinging across across the pitch. I mean, I liked the fact that we were trying to switch, kind of switch the play um, as much as possible. And and Julian's playing out from the back. You know, maybe if you were going to criticise him, sometimes. I, I think his passing in general is is really good, but I think sometimes he can look a wee bit unsure of himself when he's playing shorter passes, uh, almost as if he's kind of rushing it. Um, whereas Ayers may be a wee bit better in that situation, a wee bit more kind of calmer. Um, but but his long balls, especially the kind of diagonal pingers, pretty impressive. Bowd, Bowd, what were you going to come in with? Yeah, uh, what I was going to say is I'm delighted that last season we seen Frimpong, we thought this boy is something special. And I can confirm now with the Hamilton game, he is indeed the best right back in the world. So that's fantastic. Um, hopefully he'll be with us for quite a long time and then we'll sell him for one, two hundred million pounds, whatever. But Frimpong is the best player on the planet. Essentially is what I took from that game. <laughs> Um, Klamala as well, obviously he was only on for a little time, but just that finish was absolutely incredible. Um, it was sexual. I was absolutely delighted with that. I would say I'm just going to reiterate what you guys have said about Frimpong. I thought he was he was excellent. He's, I mean, it's one of those things. You know how fast he is, but sometimes you still get taken aback by how fast he is, which might sound daft, but um every now and again you just you just see him, you know, burst away and uh, the you know for the the goal where he played the ball into Eddie. Um you know that was just that was just sheer pace that took him away and, and he just he just looked he looked really good. 
McGregor, I thought, was great as well. Really, really good. I have to give a wee shout-out to Forrest at the start of the first half. I think Walker had called him out as being quiet in the, the first half. I thought he was okay in the first half, but for the first 25 minutes of the second half, he was on fire. And then it was job done. Do you know what I mean? It was like that was a, a player who's intelligent enough to know that he'd done his job. He had affected the game in a huge way, and uh, I was really, really pleased with him. I think it was Alan had said in the reaction, was it, that he um, he thinks he could have his best season for us. I, I, I think Forrest could be a big, big player for us this season as well. Um, I, I just thought he, he upped his game when he needed to up his game, and that's the sort of player we need. So, Frimpong probably overall for me, but I was very pleased to see that from Forrest. Heath, anybody stand out for you? Yeah, Callum McGregor. If he, oh, as he said... Sorry. <laughs> no, um, what I was going to ask actually was um, you mentioned there the, the big diagonals from uh, Christopher Julian. That looks to be like a wee tactical tweak. And we've had loads of time off where you'd hope that the the backroom staff would be working on introducing and, and trying out new wee things. So that looks like one of them. Um, the other one I've noticed is that um, the wingers have tried to do the wee diagonal runs in. And we've dropped the ball in between the goalkeeper and the the last line of defence a couple of times. I think Forrest has made for the, uh, made the run for that and Ayer has tried to, to get him. It's something that they do really, really well in Italian football that I've, I've loved watching. Uh, I've hated them doing it against us umpteen times when it was Juve. But it looks as if that's a wee thing that Lennon's introduced to try and just to, to add a bit of variety to the, the, the play. Is there anything else that you've noticed that since coming back from this, the end of last season? these tactical tweaks that uh, you think that we're, we're introducing? I don't, I don't know. I think the big thing, I think the big thing for, for everybody's probably been the fact that we've not continued with 3-5-2. You know, just going back to, you know, we came, we've kind of came back to a system that we were unsure about and wasn't working for us for a while. Um, don't get me wrong, that's probably on the strength of having Elianusi you know, Elianusi, Eddie, and Forrest is some attacking fall. You know, attacking three. You're you're not going to get much better than that, really. I don't think so. You know, you have to pay, play those players. What I'm kind of interested to see is 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 that what we stick with, or is there any kind of variation in maybe playing a back three? Will he go back to that? Um, so it's probably more what we're not seeing for me than than something that stood out, to be honest. I think with the, the extra substitutions this season, I think you'll see, and Lennon's done this as well, we'll switch between the two depending on the opposition. Um, I think that's one of the key reasons why we are getting another striker, because I think you probably need four, four you can trust. Um, so that would be Eddie, um, Klamala, whoever we get in and Hopefully Griffiths getting back onto form. Um, they're not going to play every game, you know, and a lot of the times it'll just be Eddie up there in his own. But we ha- having that ability to switch, I think, is something that we'll definitely look at this season. I think that's key why we need to get another centre half in, and I think we will. But I I reckon that we we will definitely do that. I think we've seen that at times last season, depending on the opposition, um, we'll do that. Games against um, teams like Hamilton at home, I think you might find that. You know, we tend to go with the the wide players to kind of um, get at them that way. But there'll be other times where we want a bit more control in midfield, and we'll switch it up. So, 
that's good options, uh, and we're not just kind of sticking to Plan A, a la Ronnie Dyla. See, see how you mentioned earlier on. You, you mentioned the reaction, and uh, kind of not just on on the reaction. Obviously, um, I should say the reactions a podcast um, on the Patreon that comes out immediately after each game. Um, we have a panel discussing it and breaking breaking the game down. Um, I thought it was quite negative listening to it. Listen, fair enough. I listened to the reaction the next day, but I thought that it was a it was a bit more negative than what I would have probably have been, um, especially around Eddie. Now you know Eddie scored a hat trick, and I'm not saying he was you know he was incredible, about, but um, you know I th- I thought Eddie was was good without having to go to top gear. I thought he kind of played within himself, but he didn't really have to to stretch his legs too much. I mean his goals were. You know, there was a couple of tap-ins there, but you know he was clever enough in his own mind to get himself into the position to be there and, and make it so easy. Um, but you, you know, I had a feeling that maybe people were maybe being a wee bit too negative about the performance. I mean, we won five-one, our first competitive game back in months, and a totally strange scenario of having no no fans in the stadium and all that sort of thing. Was was it was the negativity warranted or, or I don't it be- I don't think it was that negative, Louis. I think I mean the point on uh, Edward, I think was just that I don't think anyone would say that was Edward at his finest. I mean that wasn't you know, he scored a hat trick, which is fantastic, and that's just how good he is. He's basically there giving you a, a, a half decent performance and pulling a hat trick out the bag. Um, I think we could all agree that Eddie's a number of gears that he could have went up from that Hamilton game, though. See, I, I know what you mean, Louis, and I think sometimes, you know, we'll get some comments on social media, excuse me, <coughs> criticising us for 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 what's perceived as being negative. But I, I personally don't have a problem with looking. I mean, a game like that, five-one. Some people just say, "Why aren't you just saying how good we were going forward?" And we were, we were excellent. But I don't have a problem with picking out areas where we could improve because you've got to strive for that level. We're going to need to maintain a level of consistency this season that's going to take us over the line. So I get why some people might look at that and go, why are you doing that? But I think sometimes it's important. I mean, for instance, you, you, you pointed out Julian and, and some of his passing was, was was excellent. And I mean, that the technique for that shot at the, the, the back post where he, where he hit the post was, yeah. was absolutely unbelievable. But I think Hamilton got onto too many headers in the box. Now, partly the reason for that was their delivery. I thought their delivery was really, really good. But at the same time, our centre-halves, you know, they should maybe be trying to deal with that a bit better. That's not me saying focusing on the negatives. It's just highlighting that we should be better at these things. We need to be better going forward. It's the first game. We might get better. Um but there's no there's no problem doing that. I I, I don't think. Um, I, I think you need to balance it. But you know, slanting towards the positives, which were far outweighed the negatives of, of the game on Sunday. Overall, it was fantastic. But you know, always areas to improve. Yeah, I felt we were a wee bit too open at times with with Hamilton, and this is a totally different Hamilton Aki side to the ones that we've seen the past couple of seasons. They're actually going. They started before four two. So they, they weren't just there to sit and invite pressure on for Celtic. They were actually trying to get up the park. 
we talked about earlier how dangerous they were from set pieces. I would love to see corners like that at Celtic Park from us. Um, they were just whipped in with such pace and power. And if we could get balls like that into Christopher Julian, he'd be easily breaking double figures each season for the number of goals that he scored. It was a lot more open than I, I was expecting it to be. I thought we'd have been a bit more dominating, but I think when you saw the moment for me in the match was when Forrest was breaking down the right-hand side and you just saw Eddie come to life and breaking away from that last defender to get in the middle. That was when you saw that not only that he's, he's interested, he knows the moments where he has to, to really shine and he was in there to, to put it away perfectly. The hat-trick was deserved. I've maybe been a wee bit critical of him in the past that he's not He's not scored more hat tricks. Um, he tends to score nice goals. It doesn't really do the overhead kicks or, or anything like that. They're spectacular. But goals like he scored on Sunday, um, if we can get a season full of that, I'll be absolutely delighted. And it's going to be a very successful season at, uh, come the end of it. One, uh, one point I think Salmani made earlier was um, about the fact that we've got nine nine substitutes. Um, we can list nine substitutes this, this season and you can you can make five substitutes. Um, no team, no manager in, in the SPL actually used all five subs uh, in the first round of games. Um, Scottish we, Premiership, pal. Aye, same thing. We made four, though. Um, we had Klamala come on, obviously scored. Uh, Incham came on. El Hamid, the greatest, and uh, Karamoko Dembele. Players that didn't come on were Bolingoli, Tam Rogic, uh, Ismail Asoro, Nir Beaton, and, and Barkas. Can we read too much into it? A lot of people have kind of written off, you know, thinking that the fact that Tom Rogic never came on is uh, there's a, there's something to take from that. Can we can we can we read too much into any of the the substitutions, either players that came on or, or players that didn't? Oh, I, I mean, people are looking at it thinking, you know, we're 3-1 up, we're 4-1 up, early doors, <clears throat> second half. It's a good chance to start giving players a chance, but it's the first game of the season. These players still aren't up to scratch. They still need those minutes in the legs that we've said so often. Um, so I think we, I don't think we can say that Lennon isn't going to take advantage of these subs. Um, maybe he won't, you, you know, he's... I think game one, you want most of your players getting the best part of 90 minutes in the legs. Stuff like, well, we're going to have Champions League qualifiers coming up soon. That's maybe not going to be a game that we're going to ease to victory with. We want Eddie to be ready for that. Keith, do you think we can, what do you think about the subs? Is there any, any changes that you would have liked to have seen? Um, well, what was Rodgick's been injured during pre-season? That's how we didn't really see him feature much, wasn't it? Like you say, uh, maybe a wee 20 minutes, half an hour for him, just to get him up to to, to pace, because we're coming into the, the qualifiers soon for the Champions League, and these are the type of games where we're going to need people that are they're going to give us that wee bit of an X-factor that's going to help unlock defences. Um, he's probably one of our most creative and best at that. So I would like to see Tom Rodgick getting a wee bit more game time, but um, I was quite happy with the, the subs team and Cham coming on and uh, Karamoko. Um, that's, that's looking good, but I don't know how much longer we're going to 
get to to enjoy in Olivier and Cham. Before we move on for Cham, I, I wouldn't read anything into the substitutions because I think he played the guys who impressed in preseason. I think those guys um, had, had all kind of staked a, 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 a claim for a place in the team. And I think Lennon was just saying, you're you next in line. Um, Tam will get game time during this season, um, but he's maybe a wee bit behind in the queue just now. And that's all it was, to be honest. Um, we have a question on the old Twitter box. Um, John B asks, are we comfortable with Karamoko being the only depth behind Forrest at uh, right wing? All of our current cover would be square peg and round hole. Um, he did get a bit of game time. He's he's obviously in the mix, and as Samani says, they are you know he's he's one who's next in line. Are we comfortable with that? Has he shown enough in preseason that he can he's up to the challenge and, and can have a, a meaningful contribution this season? Um, you'd be going to Christie would be the the next one, and then changing your formation to try and maybe put Frimpong a little bit further up. Um, I'm not sure how much we need to try and rely on Karamoko Dembele this season. This is this is one where we like, slowly start to bed them in. Um, maybe giving them the easy games when we're like four goals up or something like that. But if we were going into a qualifier with him at right wing, then I'd be a wee bit, wee bit worried. I'd probably be like kludge feet if I was going into them. All aboard the Paddy Roberts paddle steamer. Oh, I- I, I think. You know, I think it's a bit weird that he's not even been linked this summer. Like nothing. Biding their time. I, I'm going to officially link him now. <laughs> there has been rumours and discussion, which my mom says may or may not have substance to it. I can tell you now that there is a distinct possibility that Paddy Roberts will be at Celtic Park this season. I can't confirm whether that's on the pitch or in the stand when we're allowed fans in, but there's the link. Boom. Done. Fantastic. Bowd, I'm coming to you. I've, I've, I've got a topic I want you to talk about. I know it's close to your heart. Uh, one player who didn't, you know, wasn't substituted at the weekend, didn't come off, his name's Scott Brown. He's came in for a lot of criticism. People saying that he was quote-unquote shit at the weekend. Um, was he shit? It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't classic brown, let's say that. It wasn't the mature brown that we're used to. It's not the brown town you want to party in. (laughs) It certainly wasn't. Um, (laughs) But we can, uh, you know, I think that's fairly standard. I mean, brown usually takes a few games to get back into it. Um, And we know, we've been talking about it, he's going to wind down. Um, We've been saying that for years and he, he keeps on, proven us wrong um but i'm not you know i'm not terrified that scott brown is now done um i think it was just not not a fantastic performance and um, i mean you look at <clears throat> how he performed last season and he had some off games but on the whole scott brown was a fantastic part of a squad and i see that continuing i think if neil lennon's smart we obviously want to start trying to bleed someone else in and sorrow would be the, the obvious answer to that. It might be someone else. There's quite a few young central midfielders in that side. Um, or even push McGregor back, and then that answers the question of in Cham Christie, you can just have those as your 
your free starters with Brown supplementing, but aye, it, it wasn't classic Brown. He looked tired. He, he his his legs didn't look like they were where they should be. He didn't have pace. He just aye sluggish. I think would be a, a fair term. <laughs> would the uh, James McCarthy be the an option for uh, maybe a a replacement for for Brown? I know he was he was getting linked today. McCarthy's one of those players that you just always expect to be linked with Celtic. You know, whether he's going to be one of those guys filed alongside Kevin Gallagher or in the likes who have a link to Celtic in terms of being a Celtic fan and having, well, with Gallagher's um, uh, uh, case, having family members that played for the club previously. You know, he'll always be linked or, or there or thereabouts. I mean... McCarthy's a player who I've always admired. I think he's 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 got a lot of good attributes. Quite calm in the ball, um, mature beyond his years. Um, I suppose it's finance you then start talking about, and you also need to talk about how many central midfielders we've got to introduce somebody like McCarthy into that. He's probably going to expect a lot of game time if he comes here. I'm not saying that he wouldn't get it, but you know it's. It's one of those ones where that's it, quite congested there. A guy like McCarthy, if you brought him in, you might be doing that if you're explicitly going to replace Brown. But like Bowd, I, I thought he was quite poor on Sunday. But I ain't going to fall into the trap of writing Scott Brown off. And what we always need to talk about is the intangibles with Scott Brown, what he brings to the team. It, you, you just you, you can't see them in the stats. And the fact of the matter is that they're real, real qualities in terms of leadership, in terms of the respect and standing he has in the squad. So a guy like McCarthy would be good, and I wouldn't be unhappy if we signed him, but let's not write Scott Brown off yet, notwithstanding he wasn't great on Sunday. That's the thing as well. There's been a lot of talk about his stats, his numbers are poor. Scott Brown's stats for last year compared to other central midfielders in Europe are incredible when it comes to defensive uh, qualities, defensive duels, duels. Tell us the numbers, tackles. Tell us the incredible numbers, come on. <laughs> uh, interceptions, 7.1 per 90. How do you uh, say 30% in German, Bowd? <laughs> you know that reference? No. <laughs> no. Uh, one possession, oppositions half, 1.9 per 90. One possession, 6.8 per 90. I mean, stop, stop making things up. He's but in see, the top 75 percentile for most defensive stats. That's all I'm saying. Is, is there not going to come a point, though, when, when you know, some Annie's mentioning the intangibles, the things that don't come up in stats? Surely there might come a point, maybe this season, where those things aren't enough. You know, the intangibles just don't... We're at a loss in the centre of the midfield, you know. It might be great at getting everybody riled up, but what if quality-wise he's, he's, he's yards off the pace? Because he looked if- off the pace. And but as I've said, that's it's one game at the start. But if that, I mean, if that's what happens this season, and it's not possible, he's he's not a young man. Then we need to start replacing him. Neil Lennon can't play him just because of sentimentality. But we're one game into the season. It's the fourth yeah. of August, probably. It is the fourth <laughs> of August, Louis. It is. It's the fourth of August. It's not the eighth of January, but we'll come to that in a minute. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think over the piece, you know, it's the first game. Let's let's see if there's a 
you know, it's a small data set. I, I've heard that in a lot of Christian's podcasts. That, that you works, know, <laughs> we need we need a, a larger data set. So let's see how the next few games go. But one thing I would say is, though, I think if there's one player that Neil Lennon is going to be sentimental about, it will be Scott Brown. So I can see him playing in games even when he's, you know, he's not cutting it. Scott so Brown is missed um, nine in a row, and he will be Mister Ten in a row. Lovely. Um, just on that, just very quickly, you hit the nail on the head there, Louis. I, I often do. They call they call me the nailer. Well, nailer. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, I think Brown, if Lennon's going to have a brown a, a brown spot, a blind spot about player, <laughs> you would assume it would be Brown. And Bob talked about that. You know, if if he goes and his legs just go, there's. There's, if there's one player you think that would be given the benefit of doubt far too long, it would be Brown. And, th- and that might be a slight niggle for some people, but we're not there yet. One game in, we'll wait and see how it goes. Um, Scott Brown is, deserves to be where he is just now. Yeah. Scott Brown's also carried the, the, the team the past couple of years, driving us onto those what is it, 11 trophies in a row that we've got now. Um, maybe it's that should have been sentimental, Keith. Maybe, maybe it's about a time that the the other midfielders um, helped carry him just till he gets up to, to full speed, and that might be partly why Lennon's uh, persevering with Ryan Christie, who's not really hit the the ground run himself, uh, as opposed to Olivia and Cham. Christie does more of the the donkey work, the pressing that and Cham wouldn't do. So maybe that's part of his reasoning behind. Um, playing him ahead of Olivier. We're um, we're away at Kilmarnock um, this weekend. Kilmarnock themselves they uh, they got beat two one uh, off the of Hibs. Although I, I didn't actually see the see the highlights of that, but it sounds like it was a pretty competitive game. Um, I think there was a lot of high hopes for Hibs and, and a wee bit of concern about Kilmarnock going into it. But by the, by the looks of it, Kilmarnock gave them a good game. Um, we're away on Sunday, plastic pitch, all that sort of thing. I, I mean, I don't know how much that really comes into it now because we play, you know, we we play a, a few games a season on a plastic pitch. So I, I, unless we have specific players like we had with Jozo, who you know his knees just couldn't couldn't handle it. I don't know how much we, we really need to worry about that now. Um, is there anything that you would change from from what you saw in the Hamilton game? Any personnel or, or anything shape-wise that you would want changed ahead of the Kilmarnock game? I'd change to that, that lime green kit because I'm desperate to see it in action. It looks absolutely delicious. That's would, a bloody point. I would concur with that. Um, I would be happy with the same team starting. Kilmarnock. This isn't Steve Clark's Kilmarnock. Um, With the exception of Barkas, surely. I, I, I just He's got you there, Sir Manny. He's got you there. Thank you, right? What a dick. See, if they started the band, you would be okay with it, but they need oh. to get in there. So, yes. <laughs> Celtic I, pundit Chris Sir Manny back on the band train, <laughs> despite Barkas' arrival. Superb. I am ruling a Marcus movement. Bus. Do heart once more. <laughs> just, um, just quote me in that. No, I would be happy with the same team. I would want Marcus in because he needs to kind of get himself in there going forward just now. Uh, other than that, same personnel, I'd be absolutely happy with it. Caveat is a plastic pitch. It's 
I wouldn't discount it. It's not nice to play on. Um, and I think we struggled last season at Livingston more than we did at Kilmarnock. Um, obviously, we get beat there and then we, we drew two each. I think it was the last game before lockdown. Tam nearly missing uh, in the last minute to secure a draw, if you remember, Louis. Um, but I think about it every night. I know, I know. But um, aye, the pitch is horrible. It can be a leveller, but this isn't the same quality Kilmarnock we've seen for the last few seasons. So... I would be confident in getting a result. Same team going out, I would be happy, um, with the exception of Barkas and Fabian. Any other changes, Bowdy? Um, I mean, for me at this point, Cham should be the starter ahead of Christie, and that's not to slate Christie because I think he's a, a, an exceptional talent. Um, although Kilmarnock, plastic pitch, maybe Christie would be better suited to the game, a little bit more combative, get him battered. Uh, but I, other than that, I think I think you're looking you're looking strong. I think Moy. I don't think Moy was poor, but I don't think Moy was um, at the level that we we know he can be at the weekend. So I'd like to start seeing a wee bit more from him. I wonder, I wonder if we'll maybe see five subs for, for Lennon in this game because of the plastic pitch. Um, obviously, it depends on how the game goes, and I mean he still made four at the weekend. But I wonder if we'll see that maybe from teams going away to plastic pitches that aren't used to it. Maybe if they'll, they'll make more substitutions um, just because of the impact it has. Um, I personally, I can't, I can't see many other changes other than maybe Barkas coming in. Um, you know, if if Kilmarnock are the type as as we've seen at times in the past, if they are going to you know, park the bus, sit back and, and, and it becomes a game of trying to break them down, then, you know, you need something creative and, and there's no better person who's done it, as you say, Samani, at Rugby Park before. Thomas would, Jones Park logic? Absolutely. Get Thomas in, get him in, pack defence, you know, he, he, he's the greatest. That's that's what I would like to see. Get Christy dropped. Get um, get Tom Roger in for a bit of creativity um, in the number ten, and uh, aye, maybe maybe in Chamfer Brown. Just leaving that there, right? Eh? Literally that. backed off with his hands up. <laughs> there's a battle to be won there first, though, because last season there was quite a few needly games. We was it um, like Gary. Dick- and Alan Power we really bad tackles on like Frimpong for example last season so I think it's going to be a bit of a, a war first before we, we get players like Ncham or Rogic on to, to, to put them to the sword and really sicken them hopefully in the 95th minute um, Very quickly before we go on to um, some news from across the city which uh, I know some man is itching to have a go at me about even though I've not really said much but anyway um <laughs> Quickly, we'll go through the results from the, the rest of the league on the, the, the first weekend of fixtures. Um, Rangers got off to a winning start against Aberdeen at Putaudry. Um It was pretty much a nothing game, two poor sides, I think. Um, you know, they didn't really create much. Um, Aberdeen had a man sent off late on. Um, Dundee United, obviously new into the, the league um, after all the the kind of court stuff uh, with Hearts, uh, Dundee United were winning one 0 but uh, against St Johnson, but St Johnson came back, got a goal, finished one each. Uh, St Martin, um a lot of people tipping St Martin to go down, neither them or Hamilton, um, but they beat Livingston 
um, at the weekend, which is a great result for them. Um, I think maybe St Myrna are going to be better than people can I give them credit for, especially if they sign bio. Um, as we've already mentioned, Hibs beat Kilmarnock 2-1, um, and the other result was a game last night, um, Ross County um, beat Motherwell. I watched that game. Um, I, I, in general, I, I, I kind of want to know who, who stood out for everybody, but in the Ross County game, I thought Ross Stewart was brilliant. And, and he really reminds me of Tam. I mean, I, I, in, in terms of how he looks and how he moves and things like that, he's quite kind of gangly, but he's he's got a, he's got good technique. His penalty was was class in the top corner. Um, he's a player who who was very good last season. Don't get me wrong, so it's not, it's not a total surprise. But I was very very impressed with him this weekend. Did anybody else um, did anybody else stand out either individually or any results stand out for you in the first first weekend of the games? There's an interesting wee midfielder at, at uh, Edinburgh Hibernian um, called Scott Allen. But I think he'll, he'll be one to watch this season. If you've, if you've not got him in your fantasy team yet, he's, he's, a, he's a banker. He'll get you plenty of points each week, I think. You ever given him any tablet, Keith? No, because that would kill him as he's diabetic. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure. Bowdy? No, to, to be honest, I wasn't. I wasn't blown you away. You didn't even see the other results, did you, about? <laughs> I not a fucking clue. Um, what I, what I have seen just whilst um, you've been talking there is that Craig Levine's came out and said Celtic have tried to buy Hickey five or six times. That's a quote. Five or six attempts at Hickey. Um, it's it's good to see that you're paying attention and not yeah. not just sitting there googling. But uh, yeah, right, about. To be fair, he, he was saying it was when um, Hickey was in the team. Um, was it, well, it must have been when he was the manager. Well, the director of football or the manager again or Aye, director of football that. again or chairman. It's a, it's a weird one. I don't know. I, I See, if we were going to do the Hickey thing, I think it would have happened already. I think we would have went in and put in a bid and you would know about it and it would be more concrete than than that, I think he's just wanting his name in the papers. I think supposedly with Hickey, we've, not off, we've offered him a, a place in the development squad as opposed to the first team. And I think he feels that he's deserving of being part of the, the first team now. Wonder I'm back that... when your buzzer dropped, wee man. That's what <laughs> we've said. I found negotiating tactic as well, about to be perfectly honest. Uh, now, see if you're going for a left back, you want somebody who's going to be able to come straight in. Is there that much between Hickey and Taylor in terms of proven quality in the Premier League? I wouldn't say so, other than Hickey's been linked with quite a lot of top clubs. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, if, see if we signed Hickey, I, don't, I wouldn't be upset about it. I would be upset if he was the man at left back for us. Uh, especially as I always thought he was a right back. I don't know. Maybe I was wrong with that, but he is right footed, isn't he? But um, I just, I, I, if Hickey comes in, that's fine, but not as our left back. Did, did anybody watch the Angels game? Any any thoughts on on their opening performance? I mean, we need to kind of keep up to date with them, and, and we're going to talk about them in a wee minute and the transfer side of things. But from a performance point of view, um, from what I saw, and I didn't see the whole game, I, I, I saw majority of the first half. I just wasn't I wasn't blown away. I wasn't particularly impressed. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't fearful seeing 
what they had. And by all accounts of what I've read, the second half was even worse than the first. I'd agree with that. I don't, again, you can only play what's in front of you, but the, you know, my takeaway from that game was Aberdeen or shite. It wasn't that Rangers are to be feared. But then the thing is, about, like, I, I completely agree with you. I thought Aberdeen were terrible. But see if Aberdeen was so bad. If you're a good team, you should be. They should be pumping them. They're not a good team, Lee. That's that's the, the the thing you've got to get over. They're shite. I know you're a big fan of the Rangers, but they're not that good. The thing that stood out for me was their their continued inability to break teams down. Now, Rangers dominated possession and looked quite comfortable in possession, but. Their goal came from McKenna pushing up to Mark Morelos, I think, and getting caught out of position, played the ball into Kent. See, other than that, Rangers created next to nothing, as did Aberdeen. I mean, Aberdeen were woeful, you know. I mean, if you're looking at the game on terms of possession and ball control or whatever like that, Rangers were a level above them in that manner. But in terms of cutting edge, I thought... They really looked quite weak. They looked quite toothless up front. Now, maybe a segue into what we're going to discuss just now. They've obviously made a couple of signings up front. Um, but, you know, key players like Kent and Hadji, guys that are designed to kind of, you know, break these teams down. And okay, it is only the first game of the season, but they flatter to deceive a wee bit. Um, so I think that, that that's the thing that struck me. I reckon if McKenna hadn't, been so rash and stupid going up against Morelos, that game would have finished nothing each. There was very little in terms of creative football up front. Um, but you don't read too much into that. You know, that again, first game of the season or whatever, I'm not going to just dismiss them out of hand. You know, but, it, but they didn't look good. Well, well, let's, I mean, let's get to to the, the news today that they've, they've signed two strikers today. Um, their bench, their bench deals. was... They get deals over the line. Right, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. <laughs> right, their bench at the weekend against Aberdeen was shocking. It was it's going to be great next week. It was a horrendous Stop. bench. Um, and I think, you know, Gerard would have been um, pretty embarrassed even, you know, having to name nine substitutes because it, it was poor. But they have went out. We knew, obviously, there's a speculation with Morelis. I think Morelis is probably going to go, let's face it. But... Um, they've they've went out and they've strengthened and they've brought in two strikers today. One Cedric Aiton from Chetton. Uh, St. Brilliant. And uh, Kamar Roof, who was at Anderlecht but had previously played for Leeds the season before and, and, and done relatively well. Um, Roof has scored seven times in 16 appearances this past season um, because he's been injured a lot at Anderlecht. And the boy... Uh, Aiton has scored 20, go- 20 goals last term um, and three goals in two appearances for his country. Um, I'm not going to claim to know a lot about them and we're not really here to discuss the individuals per se. What we've been debating a wee bit on the WhatsApp group and what's been debated on Twitter and things tonight is it's the fact that they've went out and they've signed two players in the one day. Now, we thought it was going to happen two weeks or a week ago or two weeks ago. We thought we were going to sign Barkas and Ajeti. And, you know, we were very positive about it and thought, right, here we go, rubbing our hands, two players in the one day. When is, when's the last time, last time this has happened? You know, 
I know what Samani's going to say. I'm always the same. I'm always worried as soon as they start signing players and it's the 8th of January and, and all that sort of stuff. I know they've signed Joey Barton. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, um, oh, and Kamara. How does this impact us? Does it impact us? Do we should we read too much into it, or you know, does it just not matter for us? So, man, I let you go first. Okay, okay, Louis, baby, here's the deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, the idea that they're not going to throw the kitchen sink at us this season is, you know, as daft. This this is everything that I'm stopping the ten right. They'll spend money doing everything they can, throwing the um, whatever resources they've got from wherever that is. Okay, now they've got these two guys, and you said you don't know anything about them or whatever, even though you've got probably got their names in the back of your new Castori strip that will be getting delivered tomorrow. Um, but we don't know. See the see, essentially see right now. We're not even playing them for a while. We're coming in. We've got players up front. I mean, you look at us as an attacking sense at Hamilton and on um, Saturday. We played really, really well. My concern is about who we get in with a level of quality. I don't really care what they do because the bottom line is it's going to be about what we do on top of that. Now, the fact that they've signed Roof... I mean, he had a decent season at, 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 at Leeds and then he went to Anderlecht and it's not worked out. The guy's injury prone. That's a punt. Itton, I can't say I know anything about the guy. I can't. Some of the guys on the WhatsApp were talking about his stats and things like that um, and saying that he's the sort of guy a lot of scouts were looking at because he had a bit of a breakthrough season last season. But he's still a punt. Okay? I mean, it's not like they've pulled out you know, an ace out of the hole. You know, these guys might end up being good players for them. But I'd much rather we take our time and get key quality players on top of that. If we get somebody like a Yeti, say, right, I'm not seeing too much of him, but by all accounts, you know, the, the standard he was at when he was playing for Bal and then he went to West Ham. If we can get somebody like that in, as well as Eddie, as well as guys like Griffiths, proven quality, and Klamala, who's shown that he can graft for us, I'll be happy getting into the season with that. Anytime they make a signing, I'm not going to throw the baby out with a bathwater. I'm not going to panic. As long as we get our signings in in good time and they're of the quality required, we just need to calm down. Because we've been here before. See the amount of guys they've signed. They, 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 they throw so much stuff at the wall and just hope stuff, stuff sticks. And it's, sometimes it does. You get guys like you know Morelos, who's been a success for them. Um, but then you, you see the amount of guys that they buy. I mean, centre-half-wise, the, the amount of centre-halves have gone through that. Hollander last season, Swedish international, or they've gone out and bought this guy. Can I get a sniff for them? They've bought more centre-halves this season. You know, they churn through. We talk about the punts that we take in players. They've taken punts in so many players, and not a lot of them have been the proven success that they wanted them to be. So... Is there a chance these guys would be good for them? Of course there is. Is there a chance that they'll go file under another bid? Absolutely. I'd rather we do our homework under Hammond, get our recruitment right, and then I'll be confident of taking them forward. I'm not going to react to what they sign. I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I don't want us to go out and sign players in reaction to what they do. I mean, that would just be a crazy strategy to have. As you say, it sounds like Hammond is you know, a 
it's got a much better system in place behind the scenes. It's a lot more organised, and we have our targets. Where I'm, where where things worry me, and it, it worried me, it's been worrying me for a while, is that although we have targets, we don't get them over the line quick enough. Now, they have, they in recent years, and I know they're not they're not fishing in the same pool in terms of quality. They're not is what we are going for. So it's easier to get deals done for people that are not necessarily wanted by as many clubs, right? But you have to admit that when they recognise an area that needs a signing, they're pretty quick at going and getting it and getting it done. And that's what they've been doing for Windows, to get their players in early. I would like to see more of that in us. And I would also like to, you know, I don't know anything about these guys, but I am going to assume that they're going to be brilliant for them. Because I just think you need to give them give them as much respect as possible. Don't be negligent in any way about this season because it's too big. If we go out and we buy better quality players and have a better transfer window than them this season, then we are still ahead of them. We're ahead of them at the start of the window. I want to know for a fact that we've got a better squad than them come the end of it. And there is still an uncertainty over whether Eddie leaves. You know, if Eddie were to go, you're not telling me that any of us wouldn't shit ourselves if, if Eddie left. Not that we suddenly think we're not going to win the league, but we just know what Eddie brings to that team. And without him, it would be a worry. Of course, with a caveat of you would expect incomings then, you would expect us to go and get something. I, I, just, think, I, I just think if ever there was a time go and guarantee it, go and spend the cash, get the get the, the number one choices in every position that we require, go push the boat out and nail this thing. Guarantee the 10. Don't, don't, don't gamble it. Because I, I would hate for us to end up having a dodgy start to the season or, or have them like breathing down our necks and then suddenly we start panic buying in January. Oof. Aye. I mean, yeah. Buy players, Celtic. We all want that, Louis. But that I mean, don't 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 worry yourself. I can officially reveal from a a cynic WhatsApp I've been following. Stephen Russell did actually look at Cedric Kitten for one of our scouting report podcasts. So he's watched all the actions, everything he's done, and his um all the stuff, uh, all the stuff, best of gear. Uh, his official report is he's quite shite. <laughs> that Celtic pundit Stephen Russell, quite shite. So not to worry. You're Louis, you're right. You're right. Everything you do, but it, you just can't react to everything they do. We can't control it, Louis. Let me no. take you back to January 2019. They signed Kamara and 440-year-old Jermaine Defoe. And you shut the bed. <laughs> now, these guys may end up being like their version of Larson and something, they might. Likely they're not. And if we get our recruitment right, everything will be fine. Okay? Exactly. Maybe. Worry about us. Worry about us. You the other thing is... Come on. Virtual, virtual cuddle. Come on. There we go. There we go. That's, that's, that's lovely. Tender. From Rangers' point of view, though, I mean, they're losing Morelos. We know that. So right now, before they signed these guys, they had Morelos and Defoe. That's not enough. They needed more than that up front. So now it looks like they're replacing Morelos with these two strikers. So they've got three strikers. So 
they're maybe in a better position, but I just don't see these guys being as good as Morelos. So there's a balance in that there, and hopefully they're both utter garbage, but they're still, they're going to lose their best striker and they've replaced them with two, one of whom's definitely not going to do it, the other one we'll see. I will, I will say on what you said though, see if we sell Eddie, I, I reckon most days he'll be going out like Lemmy with that Wayne's turned against the sketch, walking up uh, and down rioting outside Celtic Park. That isn't going to happen though. Is it? No. That no. was directed at no. Peter, wasn't it? That was... <laughs> but but see, see in terms of see in terms of the window though, I know I know we've brought in El Unice, which is great, but again we had him last season. We've brought in Burkas, which again I think we all think is great. But if you caveat that with Eddie going and then Cham going, it suddenly it would be a it would be a disastrous window in terms of loss of quality. And and yeah. William yeah. McCaffrey says if we sell in Cham and Eddie, and don't bring any other players. That's not good. But that's the thing, though. The <laughs> see the squad we've got. See the squad we've got. They're settled, and they know how they play. They're bringing players in that have not had a preseason with them, that don't have the opportunity to, to come in and fuck up for a couple of weeks and before they get their their act together. Because Gerard will just throw them under the bus. And they'll not pick them, and they'll not play them, and they'll try and sell them in January. They don't have the 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 option to come in and uh, mess up. Whereas we've got a settled squad with plenty of quality players to pick from, and Samani's absolutely right. It's it's quality that we've been adding to our team, and that's what we've been adding gradually, so that they've just got to throw everything at it and hope that, that they get lucky. We we don't have to. We can just. Keep going. We've got quality throughout that full team. Just a couple of wee wee bits, of wee diamonds to add to that, and we'll be we'll be fine. Yeah, I think I, I think in in general, of course, as you say, it's it's quality over quantity, and and we'll see what happens. And you know, there's a long way to go until the window shuts. Even I think, and for me generally, I would just rather get business done as quickly as possible. But we live in hope. Yeah. You can. I know. We're, sorry about just very quickly. To be fair, I know we're kind of having a laugh and a joke on here. To be fair to us, to you, sorry, I suppose it is now our move. See, now they've done that, it is now our move. I'm still fairly confident we'll get the quality we need in. Um, but yeah, I, I, they've done that, they've made their move and now it's our turn. So I, I get that, that that might make people uneasy to an extent, but we've still got plenty of time to do this. Pick our players correct and we should be okay. I was just well, going to say, Christian Wolf has published Stephen's email to him about it on Twitter. If you want to go check that out, you can see his honest opinion of him before he was signed by the Rangers. Oh, thanks for keeping us up to date with all the breaking news in the world, uh, the world media. Thank you. Um, this has been uh, the Cynic Weekly. It's good to be back um, in league action again. Um, Speaking between games, um, obviously we'll be reviewing the Kilmarnock game next week, talking about that, and then and then looking ahead. Um, Christopher Samani, it's been a pleasure. Oi, always a pleasure. Thank I look you. forward to the abuse on the WhatsApp when Rangers make their next signing. You know, Chris, 
you know, you know, it's all it's all comes from love. You know that. I know, I know that. Um, Chris Bowd, you look great in your new top. Um, you know, you look great, but you play like brown. I do. I also sometimes look. I no. Um, yo, yo, and. Keith, it's been a pleasure uh, It really has All the best to, to Stuart and Frankie I think they've been feeling a wee bit Under the weather So from, from all the, the cynics Hopefully they're back on top soon yeah. Absolutely And, and you, look, uh, you look very staunch With your uh, Celtic clock And Celtic mug in the background it's, That's um, uh, available tremendous. on Gumtree In the next uh, couple of hours if, you, if you're after it Lovely. Uh, This has been the Sonic Weekly and we will speak to you down the road.